rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most Harmless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damon. All right, buddies. Today's episode will bring a very special episode of the Most Harmless Podcast because today's episode takes place in New York City. That's right, buddies. Uh, right now, I'm currently tour managing a, a, a little punk rock alt country band from Fort Collins, Colorado called Arliss Nancy. We still got a few days left of this tour, um, but while we were on this tour, uh, these guys played the almighty Pooza Fest in Montreal, Canada. My dumbass did not uh, get around to getting a uh, passport in time, so I went and visited friends and family in New York City. While I was visiting friends and family in New York City, I managed to squeeze in a couple interviews. Uh, the very first night I was there, very first night in New York City ever in my entire life, I went down to the knitting factory and interviewed James from Make, Do, and Mend. So, all right, buddy, so today we're going to sit down with James in front of the knitting factory in New York City. While they were on tour with Cheap Girls and Diamond Youth. That tour is out ongoing right now. Uh, and you know what? We're just going to go ahead and hurry up and get right into this interview. Um, once again, this this episode is once again sponsored by Denver Comic Con. Just had some devastating news. Stan Lee is not going to be at the Denver Comic Con, but instead taking his place is motherfucking William Shatner. That's right. William Shatner and George Takai are going to be there together in the same room. And if you're a nerd like me, you know they kind of hate each other. We'll see what's going to happen. George Takai, of course, is Sulu from the original Star Trek. Shatner is also, of course, fucking Captain Kirk from the original Star Trek. Uh, they uh, they remarkably don't get along, so we'll see if there's any fireworks. Also from Star Trek, the next generation is Mr. Will Wheaton and a host of other amazing guests. So please check out Denver Comic Con right now. It's uh, May 31st through June 2nd at the Denver Convention Center in Denver, Colorado. Please check it out. Thanks to those guys for returning as our sponsors. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into this interview with James from Make, Do, and Mend. Uh, we're going to open this up with a song off their uh, debut off Rise Records. It's not the debut album. It's the Rise Records debut. And it's everything you ever loved. Uh, this song is going to be called Lucky. Come 
Alright, so I'm sitting here with James from Make Do and Mend in New York City. First night of tour. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Are you psyched for this tour? I'm definitely psyched. This is the first US, the first proper U.S. tour we've done in about two years. Nice. If you, if you don't include Warp Tour, which I don't. No. no. Um, uh, and so, it, you know, it feels really, really good. And couldn't be doing, couldn't ask for a better bunch of bands to do it with, so it's good stuff. Yeah, I was pretty bummed. I'm, t- I'm actually out on tour right now with a band called Arliss Nancy oh, no from way. Port Collins. Okay. Um, they went to Pooza Fest today while right. I did not get my passport in time. Oh, so man. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to go to New York City for a couple days. Yeah, and then that. I was going to miss you guys in Denver because I'm still going to be out on the road. Right, and I'm from right. Denver, the okay. Denver area. Yeah. Um, and I was like, fuck, I'm going to miss these dudes. Right. And cheap girls who were good friends of mine. And... Uh, just happenstance it worked out so yeah, I'm glad it worked out I emailed Mike at Earshot and he was like yeah dude let's set it up let's cool. do it so here we are good deal um, what, one of the things I really like to talk about on, on the show is like people's origin stories okay sure so like how people got started and things um, you has gotta be in bed by midnight you has gotta be in bed by midnight <laughs> so um, <laughs> so what is your earliest like when do you first remember discovering music as a young person. Discovering music? Yeah, like, um, perhaps, like, the first time you ever found something you obsessed over, like, MC Hammer or, Yeah, I was you know. really, I mean, like, and I've, I've told people this a lot, because it's sort of like the story of my life. I was a big 90s radio rock guy. Like, completely. And that, you know, that covered all areas of the spectrum for, from where, like, I loved, like, Third Eye Blind and, you know, loved bands like the Goo Goo Dolls and shit like that. But I also, you know, fucking, like... My first concert ever was a Backstreet Boys concert. I went with my cousin, you know, um, and so like sort of just had that that smattering. Um, and to this day, I mean, you know, Third Eye Blind, like some Third Eye Blind records are still some of my favorite records ever because I listen back and I'm like, oh shit, that was actually good. Like, you know, it wasn't. Um, and the '90s were the last time that there was actually rock and roll on the radio, which is, you know non-existent anymore but it, it was it was really once um, like Blink-182 and Green Day started playing on the on the radio I was in 4th or 5th grade how old are you? I'm 26 okay cool so I was like I think I was in 5th grade when Enema of the State came out by Blink-182 I had I grad, just graduated high, graduated high school yeah when that came out totally wow um, and so that record came out you know they had songs on the radio and I heard them and I I just remember thinking, like, this is something different, you know? Yeah. This is something different from all the rest of the stuff. And so uh, I was like, I want to know more about this because it's, it's got a little bit more of an edge to it. Um, and so I, you know, I was fortunate enough where I decided to dig deeper, uh, you know, into that. Like, got really into Blink, got really into Green Day, but, like, saw that, you know, Blink-182 took a band called Alkaline Trio out on tour. And I was like, oh, who's that? Okay, so, like, um, you know, and, you know, took a band, took Newfound Glory out on tour. I was like, oh, who's that? Oh, okay, fucking uh, uh, guitar player in Newfound Glory used to sing in a band called Shy Halud. Like, who's that? Let me check that out. And then, you know, um, and so it was in and around, like, you know, so that was my, that was my bread and butter for a while, that, that area of you know, pop punk, whatever you want to call it. And then started getting into, um, you know, and through those bands, I mean, got into, got really heavy into, like, Rancid, AFI. Um, and then through those bands, got really heavy into, like, 
early 80s hardcore like Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits, you know, and on down the line. Cool. Um, and that's sort of, that was definitely my immersion, I feel. Yeah. When did you start writing and playing music? That's a really good question. Um, probably really early high school. Um, did, did you ever play anything like violin or anything weird no, out there? No, yeah. and honestly, like, to be perfectly honest, I can fucking barely play guitar. Like, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where I, I, I've never had much, like, musical talent, but I've always just really loved... I've really loved music and I've really loved songwriting. Um, you know, I've always, you know, and, and also really loved the stories that, you know, music tells. Um, and so I was in high school when I first started dabbling with uh, writing my own songs. And it was terrible. It was fucking just the worst <laughs> thing. It's supposed to be. Yeah, my mom, I, uh, I played my freshman year of high school, I played in my first band ever. It was a new metal band that like a dude from the, the other high school across town like asked me to join. Uh, they ended up kicking me out because I wanted to cover Jimmy World at a show that we played. Um, but I, I that was my first time ever like writing riffs, you know, for a first songs for a band. Um, and it, you know, it, it sort of, although it was terrible, it sort of like set me on the, you know, okay, I like doing this. I'll keep trying and you know try to get better at it. Nice. Yeah. Um, who are the Who are the songwriters you look up to? That's That's another really good question. Um, I, I hate the influence word, but that's kind of what it is. That's but, a, really. but you know what? That's a really cool way to put it. Because yeah. I mean, you know, inf- who are your biggest influences? So annoying. But like, yeah. you know, I mean, like uh, Jim Adkins from Jimmy World is fucking like so up there. You know, like in terms of like in terms of really sort of straightforward melodic rock and roll of our time yeah they jimmy world nailed it you know and i in my personal opinion um and i think that a lot of people have been sort of taking pages out of their book for a while um all the guys in hot water music are just like they were the first they were the first band where i for me they took punk rock and they took rock and roll and pop structure and force them together and like I heard that and my mind was fucking blown I heard those songs and I was just like these have huge choruses they've got great bridges they've got you know they've got perfect structure and they fucking rock you know what I'm saying Um, and so those are big for me Um, there's some other big ones I don't know there's there's plenty of those are the yeah. two really really big uh, ones for me I, I know you've toured with Hot Water Music have you met the Jimmy World, World guys no never no and I'm sure I never will but that's like that's the fucking that's the pinnacle that's yeah. like the, the apex for me what was it like uh, playing touring with Chuck Reagan and Chris Bullard and those guys it was incredible yeah, yeah I mean surreal definitely surreal in that I mean like I said they're one of my favorite bands ever uh, and you know uh, to to think that you know that was something that we would end up doing, I never would have never would even dreamt of it. Um, wicked nice guys, dudes that I still keep in touch with to this day, you know. Um, and uh, and they're just such. I've always and I and I've told them this, and that they're they probably think I'm a weirdo for saying it, but like they are the flagship band for me. They have always been my true north as it pertains to playing in a punk band you know what I'm saying like they've always I've always no matter what it is whether it's you know writing music whether it's 
putting out records, whether it's touring, I've always thought, well, what would Hot Water do? Like, how would Hot Water do it? Would Hot Water do something like this? Uh, and if the answer is no, usually we don't do it. Um, and they and they truly are. They're such like down to earth, like real motherfuckers. Uh, that they they're they've set such an example for us and so many other bands. That, uh, the last time I saw Chuck, well, the time before the last time I saw Chuck Reagan, yeah, I professed my undying love to him, very drunkenly rambling. He is, dude. He's he's one of those dudes where it's just fucking like he's got such a charm to him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know it. Yeah, he's been on the show before. And That's awesome. He, he just opens it up and it's just like, oh man. Yeah. And I just professed my undying love to him. Then I saw him on the revival tour and he kind of stayed away from me. But yeah. That's okay. I'm a big. 240 pound dude you right. stay away from right, fanboy me you speak with him and you feel like you're talking to someone that you've known for a long time and that's someone who really cares about you yeah. and I mean that's that's from the minute that you speak word one to him and that's an, that's a quality in someone that I've never really experienced outside of him he is such a genuine guy um, he's awesome and my girlfriend my girlfriend loves him too so I can't really blame her <laughs> He's a handsome man. He is a handsome um, motherfucker. So you guys are located out of Boston now? Yep. Is that right? Yeah. But you're from Connecticut. Yeah. Matt, Mike, and I were born in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Luke, our bass player, was born in Birmingham, Alabama. He lives in Detroit. Um, so, yeah, but we made... Uh, Matt and Mike had moved up to Boston a while back. Um, and then I was still in college in Connecticut. So I finished that up and then made the move up there. Yeah. How, how, um, so the band I'm on tour with, Arliss and Nancy, yeah. we played a wonderful show in Hampton, Connecticut the other night. In Hampton, know, Connecticut? Ha- Hamden. Oh, Hamden. At, was that the space? The space. Okay, right on. It was not a very good show. Yeah, they never are there. Um, so yeah, I was just curious, what was it like for you growing up in Hampton? Or, um, where you grew up in Connecticut? Yeah, I grew up in I grew up in the Hartford area. Um, we we went to a lot of shows in Wallingford, Connecticut, which is like about 30, 35 minutes. I want to say like south ish of uh, of Hartford, um, and it was very cool. You know, when I first when I first started going to shows, hardcore was the thing. Um, you know, for me and for everybody else. Um, and then once we started playing shows. Um, we all we would play would be hardcore shows, and we would we would play to an empty room. There would be like 150 people at the show, but we would play to an empty room. And then as soon as we got done playing, everybody came back in, and we were like, "Fuck, man! <laughs> like, you know, what are we doing?" But we kept, you know, we kept doing it. And from from that, you know, there were, and there was pl- plenty of other bands in Connecticut, Connecticut at the time to credit for it. I mean, there were bands like Hostage Calm, who still plays. Uh, uh, band called My Heart to Joy uh, was from uh, Connecticut. Um, you know, more bands started popping up with similar sort of vibes, you know, similar sort of sounds, and uh, and we started to grow a really, really cool sort of just like alternative music scene uh, in Connecticut. Um, it's I wouldn't say that it's died over the course of the past few years. Um, it's definitely changed a lot over the course of the past few years and you know uh, to my discredit I haven't you know I haven't been home to Connecticut in a long time and well I've been home but I haven't you know gone to a show in Connecticut in a long time and you know 
we don't play Connecticut nearly as much as we'd like to. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely very, very different from when we were, you know, coming up playing shows there. But it's still got a very, very vibrant scene. And there's, you know, there's as long as there's people there that care about it, there will always be, a, you know, there will always be a scene. Yeah, cool. What did you go to college for? Uh, I got a bachelor's in English. English? Yeah. yeah. What did you, so I, I like to ask, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you always want to be a musician? And, um, or how does how does that all work out? You know, that's a really good question. I've... As long, it's really, really weird. As long as I have ever been able to remember, I've wanted to play in a band, uh, and I've wanted to be a barber, um, and it, which is which is two really odd things. And I was definitely a weird fucking little kid. Um, and so I, you know, it wasn't until I was really, really lucky to have the band. We started the band when I was a freshman in college. Uh, and I was really, really lucky to have the band throughout that time because I never really experienced the the like mid twenties sort of like crash that a lot of people experience once they graduate college. So I've had so many friends graduate college, uh, and then they're like, "Oh fuck, what am I going to do now?" And, you know, and it's like, "Well, I need to support myself," you know, and I, but I don't, you know, but I also, you know, have have aspirations and dreams. Uh, and you know, thankfully, and I feel really, really fortunate for this. I always just had the band, you know. So once I finished college, we really sort of hit it pretty hard, and it gave me, it gave me that sense of purpose for those you know early twenty years uh, to sort of like propel myself, um, and you know. So it's it's I really feel lucky for that. Do you have a day job right now, or is this it? Uh, this is it for the most part. I mean, before, I work uh, at home in a venue called the Sinclair cool. in Boston. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I got that gig uh, right before we left for, uh, well, I guess it was right after, I got it in December of this year. Um, so it was uh, sort of the end of our touring for last year. And it's awesome. It's, a, it's my favorite job I've ever had. Um, you know, and it pays the bills, which is great. Um, and, and yeah, but before that, I haven't been home enough to have a job over the course of the past couple of years. Yeah. So it's not, it's actually really, really refreshing to work a job again. What are you doing there, bartender? What's that? What do you do there? Um, security guard. Security, cool. Yeah, right. yeah. It works. Yeah. Um, so when you guys started this band, uh-huh. did you have like a specific sound in mind? Or is this just what happened over the course of you guys playing together over the, all these years? That's a really good question. I mean, I don't think that any band is, could say that they didn't have sort of like a, okay, this is what we want to sound like in mind. You know, whether it's sort of like uh, a mimic in some way of their influences or, you know, sort of what they think. Uh, so what they think, you know, a band should sound like. So yeah, we had we had an idea. I mean, I think that we always just wanted to play. Uh, we always wanted to play sort of like impactful rock music, um, you know. So that was the sort of like that was sort of the starting point. There weren't necessarily any like we want to sound like Hot Water music. We want to sound like Jimmy Eat World. We want to sound like the Get Up Kids. We you know. Um, we just wanted to, you know, um, and then we, and then I think that we were able to sort of take that starting point and really sort of shape it in a, 
in our own, you know, really personal way. Um, so we definitely had, you know, there's always a bit of hero worship when bands start. Um, and then hopefully, you know, hopefully they're able to sort of make it their own. Um, so, yeah. Nice. I don't know if I uh, asked the question. But no, no, that, that. That, that works. Yeah. It's your interpretation of it. Uh, with this newest record, it comes out on Rise Records. Yeah. It's a bigger deal. Uh, I guess a bigger deal. I mean, it's a bigger yeah. thing than paper and plastic to an extent. But uh, yeah. was there any pressure going in the studio to do this one to make it bigger, better? There was actually faster. There was actually no pressure going into the studio with this one. I, this this record was the least uh, the least like taxing record we've ever recorded. Um, and uh, and in a lot of ways, I I think that that. Shaped, it shaped the record uh, just because you know we were able to we were able to take a lot of time uh, to really do everything exactly the way we wanted it. We were, to make sure that the songs were exactly. I mean, I had the lion's share of the lyrics for the record written completely before going into the studio, which for me is like you know yeah. like. Uh, doesn't happen. I mean, I usually have most of them, but like you know, I'm usually doing a lot of writing in the studio. With this one, I was like pretty well prepared, and so that you know made for a, a much easier process. Um, so you know, you can say it was a bigger deal. I don't really think it was. I mean, and we've never looked at it that way. Um, but it it was definitely it. We weren't like, oh man, like first record on a, on a bigger label. We we really gotta you know deliver yeah. here, just because that's a shitty way to ever fucking think <laughs> about a record. You know what I'm saying? It's a shitty way I, to think about anything. I just try to put it in my own perspective. Like it would probably make me nervous doing something along those lines. So yeah. It's interesting to hear that it doesn't make you nervous. Yeah. Well, it's it's sort of like if you're dating like a really really attractive girl, right? And the, you know your first you, you know you go on your first day and you're like. Oh man, I really gotta bring it, like, you know, because this is a really big deal. Uh, but I never, I don't like think, you know. I ju- we just wanted to make the record that we wanted to make, and we wanted to sort of do it in the way that we wanted to do it. And I think that's all you can really can do in anything, you know. I don't when you try too hard for the wrong reasons on anything, it never really pans out. So, yeah. you know. So what, what was the songwriting process for this record? I mean, do you come up with everything, bring it to the band, and they approach it, or is it an organic? It's pretty organic. It's actually really... Um, I do most of the, like, structural arrangement stuff. Um, like, and all of us have very different strengths. I mean, I, I pride myself on, on being able to fit lyrics to, uh, you know the music and the and the way everything sounds and uh you know fit the melodies in there in a in an interesting way mike's really really our other guitar player mike is really really writes like incredible parts like we'll we'll be like yo i've got this verse part that i've been working on or like i've got this it's it's usually just i've got this part that i've been working on and he'll show it to me and my mind will be blown and then and then it's up to me to sort of be like okay, I think that sounds good as a verse, or I think that sounds good as a bridge, and, yeah. you know, sort of forming the song around that. Um, so there's plenty of songs on the record that were sort of just me sitting in my apartment with a guitar and writing the entire thing. There's plenty of songs where it's sort of that same situation where Mike comes up with certain parts and I sort of Frankenstein them all together. 
you know, you really never know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the lyrics, you put forth a lot of, like, there's a, a good amount of honesty in it. Maybe 100%. Thanks. How important I is try it? for 100%. Yeah. 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 How important is that honesty? It, to be perfectly honest, it's, it's the most important yeah. thing to me. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I... Um, we were in we were uh, in the dressing room earlier, and I was talking with one of the guys from Saint Hood Refs who are playing tonight about a band called The Movie Life from yes. Long Island, where they're from. Love those dudes. Yeah, uh, and they were the first band where I heard their lyrics, and I was like, "This is fucking real." You know, this is no nonsense. There's no there's no veiling. I know exactly what this dude is saying and what he means by it. And that and a lot of the times, it really mimicked how I was feeling, you know, at a certain time, and I think that's why I took such, you know, that's why I really hold that band in a very personal way, um, and I always, I always took a, took a page from that, I always wanted, in the lyrics that I write, to be just 100% straightforward, for there not really to be much, huh, what does this song mean, well, it could mean this, I want it to be, this is what this song, fucking song means, motherfucker, like, uh, which, you know, it's how I like doing things, but certainly, you know, teach their own. You right. know, I, I want to be able to. I want to be able to purvey a very, uh, a very coherent and and genuine like emotional statement with the lyrics that I write, which might sound totally uh, fucking corny and like sappy, but you know, I mean, the the reason that we love the music that we collectively, you and I and whoever love, is for the emotional value that's present there. You know. We're fucked, and you know we want to hear other people who are fucked sing about it. Um, so you know it's it's uh, that's how I feel about that. Yeah, and that's what kind of even like uh, just hanging out with the dudes I'm on tour with. Like we all ha- we all share very similar stories, like connection and whatnot. So it's interesting to hear yours. Um, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a bad review of the new record of our new record. Yeah. Oh, I think the exact opposite. Really? Yeah. I, I I looked around today well, doing you know, my research. Here's the thing about here's the thing about this one and I'll be fucking brutally honest cuz I mean that might as fucking well be. Yeah. This record uh and measured mile the record we put out before this one got literally like in terms of like message boards, fucking like comment sections on your punk news, your absolute punk, all this. I never found one like slight word about it and I dude I looked so hard it's like kind of like there's a sick little part of me that wants people to be like yeah this kind of sucks like the, um, the negative reviews are usually as long as they're not this sucks it's garbage they usually hit the right notes right so sure I, and, I found that at least and so on that you know we were really really spoiled on on that record and measured mile and I knew that with this new record everything you ever loved there was going to be some backlash. Um, and so, luckily, and you know, I, I think that, I think what you're saying is fairly accurate. You know, a lot of the reviewers who reviewed it got it. Um, and, and were really, and were really kind to that point. But there was definitely a lot of fucking murmur from the peanut gallery about this new record. I, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get too deep into it, but the three or four I read were all really, really praiseful. And That's like, good. Oh, yeah, Thanks, yeah. man, Abby. But I, I, I'm the kind of person like I, I don't like praise reviews. I like the negative ones. Yeah. Because it's because those well, are easier to believe. They're easier to believe, certainly. But I, you know, I'm more so I like sort of like well thought out reviews, whether they're positive yeah. or negative. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been on tour now for like I'm three weeks in on okay. a 
five, six week long tour. Yeah. So I'm. How I'm, do you dig it? You like it? I, oh, I love it. This yeah. is. Uh, I've been out dozens of times. It's been a couple of years. So right. I'm. I, I the band I'm with are a lot younger than me. They're right. Well, not that. Anyway, so it's it's a little different, but it's fun. But so I got a lot of that rattling around in my head. Yeah. Um, so what do you guys do? Like in in the van with the guys I'm with, they've known each other so long. We don't talk in the van. Yeah. We just sit there and everybody's got their screens. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys get into in the van? It's really weird because I, it's, uh, we for a long time were the exact same way. Uh, Just because Matt, Mike, and I, I mean, Matt and I are brothers, so we've known each other our entire lives. Um, We've known Mike since we were young kids, too. Uh, But Luke joined the band right before we recorded Everything You Ever Loved. So he threw, definitely, you know, threw some fucking coals on the fire in that regard and he's got such a fantastic personality anyways that now just driving in the van we are cracking up like constantly I mean it's it's like a really funny dynamic change because now we just sort of like fuck around and talk and make fun of people and you know it uh it's a nice it's a good vibe good vibe in the van nice um so you guys, this is your first proper headlining tour. Uh-huh. Um, it's you guys haven't even played the first night yet. But yeah. um, how do you guys keep this this thing fun and not make it a complete total business business out of it all? It's tough. It's really tough, and it, we've failed at just that uh, in the past. I'm texting my girlfriend right now. Hold on a second. It's all right. <laughs> um. It's really, it's really tough to sort of like separate yourself from the pressures that go along with playing in a band because of the, you know, at the, at the root of it in two ways. At the root of it, we're here to have fun. You know, we're here to do this because it's what we love doing. But at the other, you know, the other side of the root there. It needs to make money or else you can't do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, I mean, you just can't do it. You know, gas is expensive and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so, to separate the, to keep those two entities very separate from one another is completely crucial. It's, you know, you can't really, and it, once you let the, once you let that line blur, it gets really, really iffy. Um, and we've, had trouble blurring that line in the past and luckily I think as we've gotten older and we've made more records and we've done more touring there's a little bit more of a like just fuck it you know just fuck it you you know we're gonna every band is gonna fucking crash or burn at at some point or another you know unless you're unless you're fucking Metallica Um, so let's just get out there and have fun and do it because we love it and then Either the pieces fall into place or they don't, you know. Cool. So that's sort of where where our heads are at with it now. Uh, how long is the tour? What five weeks? Six? Yeah, just about. My well, actually, no. I, that's I am bad with numbers. Me it's, too. That's why it's I'm about like four. It's about four weeks. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. we'll be home uh, a month from yesterday. Cool. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to most on this tour? Just hanging out. I'm really, I'm really. I mean, we've known the cheap guys, cheap girls guys for a minute, not like very, very well. So I'm excited to get to know them better. Really, really don't know the Diamond Youth guys at all. So I'm really excited to get to know them better. So you know, really just hanging. I mean, it's summer. Fucking, I'm I'm stoked. I want to go swimming. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I know it's probably too early to ask about, but what else do you got going on? 
anything what what else is down the pipeline you can talk about um you know what we're we're actually the the future is uh the future is vague from from here you know after this tour we don't really have anything coming up um so you know i don't know i don't really know yeah, I don't. I don't. We're. I've always been like a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy, and it, it annoys the shit out of my girlfriend in thinking about it. Uh, I never really know what's going on, fucking like you know, two weeks in advance. Uh, so there'll be something, but we'll figure it out when we get there. Right on. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty much out of stuff. I can I can make some other stuff up. But <laughs> let's go in and watch the show. Anything else you want to add, dude? Nah, thanks a lot for the interview. All right, man, that was fun. Thank you. All right, buddies. Thank you for checking out this week's podcast. If your first time, if this is your first time at the Mostly Harmless Podcast, please visit the website. You can just type in the shortcut code mhpod.com. It'll take you right there. You can Google Mostly Harmless Podcast. You can type in mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. You can type whatever the hell you want. Uh, please check out our store and uh, buy some T-shirts from the store. Um, this Arliss Nancy tour still got about a week left, and when I get home, I'm going to have absolutely nothing, no money whatsoever. So if you like the show and want to keep supporting what we're doing and what I'm doing, please go uh, buy a Most of Hummus t-shirt. Uh, drop me an email. Drop me a line. Like us on Facebook, yada, yada, yada. Thanks again to James and Make Doing Men for hanging out with us backstage at the show. Uh, this tour is ongoing right now. You can catch it uh, from coast to coast. Uh, it's Make Doing Men, My Buddies are the Cheap Girls, Diamond Youth, and a local band coming soon to a... Um, punk rock-esque venue near you uh we're gonna go ahead and close out this week's episode with another song from everything you ever loved um the 2012 make doing men record off rise records uh we're gonna go ahead and close this up with uh i believe it's disassembled i don't have it written down but i think it's disassembled buddies all right guys thanks for hanging out see you next week oh!